In this Film Ireland podcast, Lynn Larkin chats with Tony Kelly about his debut comic feature, The Hurler, A Champion's Tale, which is in cinemas from the 6th of October. So, Tony Kelly, thanks a million for taking the time to come in and chat to us at Film Ireland. It's my pleasure, Lynn. I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted to be here with yourself. Oh, you're so good. Thanks, William. Well, huge congratulations is in order because the movie, The Hurler, it's made. And I know it's it been is. a huge labour of love because you've been talking about mm-hmm. this for a long time. But here it is. It's made and it's out. Yes, October 6th. That's right. Could you just tell us a little bit about the film? Sure. So uh, the film is called The Hurler with the subheading of A Campion's Tale because the character that I play is called Gar Campion. Um mm-hmm. So basically, Gar is a bit of an enigma. He is a very good hurler, coming maybe towards the twilight of his career, but he's also fancies himself as a little bit of a David Beckham style character. Mm-hmm. Um, as he describes himself as a man about town, he's, uh, he's like he's dating the biggest influencer in Ireland and all that kind of stuff. So it's, he juggles his uh, on-field um, career with his off-the-field antics. Um, and basically the story of the film is Gar becomes the first hurler in the history of uh, the proud amateur game of hurling to fail a drug test for performance-enhancing drugs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, obviously, you know, that doesn't go on in the, in the amateur world of uh, hurling and the GAA. So he kind of... No, he ends up blackballing himself and um, in order to try and save his reputation, he agrees to travel to Waterford uh, to coach uh, Ireland's worst hurling team, essentially. Right, okay. And um, I remember actually back in, is it was it 2015 or 2016, uh, Tony, that you had just come off the back of a TV series called, mm-hmm. also called The Hurler, right? This yeah. was, is this this is the inspiration kind of bouncing off this that you would decide then I actually want to make it a movie. This is what we've been mm-hmm. talking about for a while. So yeah. um, could you just tell um, the listeners a little bit about that process, sure. initially the TV series and how you came up with the idea and then um, what made you kind of think actually this could be a movie? Yeah, so it was a web series originally and that's when we actually met. It was originally mm-hmm. 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next year again at 2016 after I'd made another version of it basically yeah. um, I, it was a web series originally in 2013 uh, just basically living on YouTube um, and it was just a straight narrative 10 to, 10 to 15 minute episodes I think there was 5 originally yeah. Um, in 2013 and then it kind of it started kind of gaining a life outside of just the people who were watching it on YouTube in 2015 when it started I, I discovered that web series had festivals like film festivals do yeah. uh, and I ended up winning an award at the biggest one which is LA Web Fest which takes used to take place in um, Universal Studios in Hollywood um, and then then from there um, I kind of I made a I, I was supposed to make a second season of this web series it also called The Hurler and also featuring Gar but it was living in a different world than the film lives in um, and I guess that second season was was only one episode actually it was in New York it was based and um, we had a, I actually had a bit of a budget to make that one whereas the, the previous one I literally made with a DV camera and one lav mic and um, and then, yeah, the second one then was when stuff started kind of happening for me then. Um, 
I, when I, you were talking about we met at, I think it was Dublin Webfest in 2016. Yeah. And um, obviously the, the horror that year, the one of New York kind of it got a lot of plaudits and it led to a lot of cool stuff for me personally. Um, and basically I was trying to make it a fully fledged TV series then. That was my, that was my goal so, was to get yeah. it. Yeah, but, but I didn't really realise the amount of hoops and red tape you have to go through to re- to get on TV. Like I thought it was just someone would see it, they'd like it, they'd give you a TV show and you'd have a TV show, but it's absolutely <laughs> no. not the, not, not no, the case. That, wouldn't that have been nice? I think you are just speaking the language of many a filmmaker and creative though, yeah. you know, because at least at the very start, you went out there and you made it happen for yourself, which is quite inspirational. Mm-hmm. I think people kind of need to to know that because sometimes when they see a movie just being made, they don't know that actually it's been a, a very long process and the yeah. process that kind of gets to this point. So I thought that was important that you'd kind of mm-hmm. mention that. And Yeah, it's been over 10 years. It's been yeah. over 10 years, you know. Yeah. But, but just to finish the story, then what happened was then I ended up doing um, the movie with yourself, Writing Home. Mm-hmm. in uh, 2017 and just seeing how uh, a lower budget independent feature film was made I kind of went oh maybe I could do the horror like this everyone is working together it's very positive and it's being done you yeah. know and it's not necessarily being financed by you know the people who you think you need to be financed by um, and then I kind of went off and wrote the script from there basically that's how it happened and that's how it happened. That's great stuff. And you actually ended up, you wrote, produced, directed and starred in the movie. Now, <laughs> any one of those roles can be Not. extremely challenging and stressful uh, in their own right. So what was that process like? How did you find it, honestly? because It was, it, I, I, I'll just open by saying I will never do it again. That would be the first thing I would say. Yeah. Um, and I remember when it was happening you know, when it was becoming clear that it would finally be happening at the end of 2021, my agent called me and just went, you cannot do this. This is not something you can do. And I just didn't believe her. I just didn't want to listen because I'd been told yes and then no for so long that if I felt like if I didn't do it all myself to a point yeah. that that um, it would never happen. So I just did it because it had to be done. But yeah. Lynn, like being honest with you, like it was the hardest thing I'll probably ever do in my life. Um, you know, by the by the second week of filming, I was completely at zero energy. I was being propped up by vitamins and different mm-hmm. vitamin drinks and stuff like that and doctors because I, I physically had no energy to to play the role or direct it or anything at that point. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. And that's why I really wanted to ask that because like even one of those roles can be enough to push anybody over the edge yeah. when they're when they're in the middle of a movie because you know yourself not everything goes according to plan and mm-hmm. so i was like how did you manage that so when well, it came well, ha- to- having a good crew having a good yeah. crew is is essential for that mm-hmm. that you know without the the and we had a small crew but I, I wanted to keep it that way you know i wanted to keep it to people I knew, people I trusted, people that I I knew that if I started to panic or if, if stuff started to hit the fan for me, that I yeah. knew those people would be there for me, you know? Yeah. And when your agent was saying to you, don't do it, what was it that yeah. she didn't want you to do? She didn't want you to, what, direct it as well as... No, no, no. She, as a ma- no, as a matter of fact, she was the one who convinced me to direct it. Right. Um, she just she just said like you've written it, you're directing it, and you're in it. You cannot produce it as well. It was it was really to try and bring on more of a of a producer to mm-hmm. to do you know to do the producing stuff. But at that point, Lynn, like look, listen, you you know how long this is going on for me, you know, mm-hmm. and 
Like I, I just said, if I hand this over to someone else, that's that might be another six months, and then it might be that might not work out. I just it, it was happening. I knew that the finance was coming in, and it, it had to be now or never. So I just <laughs> had to put on the big buy pants and, and do it. And just do it. And we'll get to the finance and things, well, because I do mm. want to ask you a little bit about that. But just sure. Um, just on the day to day, then, like because you had so many roles, so like yeah. on camera shots, you know, you're pretty much on screen for I think all of it right maybe with the exception of a few like aerial shots and things like that how did you find directing those scenes or who did you lean on in particular where like did you have a really good dop or like who was there catching things yeah so basically we had um i had a a great first ad called shane mulrennan Mm -hmm. and shane was tasked basically but watching my performance i I could, t- I, I basically would tell everyone at the start of the day or the start of a scene what I wanted and the setups that we were going to do. And then obviously jump into the scene with the actors. And then from there, I would watch playback when I felt like, you know, I, well, I, w- I would watch the playback. You but the rushes, I needed, yeah, yeah I, well, even just as, as they were happening. Okay. Like just watch. I had a monitor, like a, a mobile monitor that we had, and I would ask for playback and, and rewatch the take. Right. Um. But that wasn't possible every single time. Obviously, that would have taken forever. Mm-hmm. So I had Shane to watch my performance because I needed someone who wasn't going to say, "Oh, you're brilliant in every single take," because that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Um. And then also I had a brilliant DOP in in Louis Boggy, who I'd worked with previously on another feature called the Tale of Billy O.C. Um, who I trusted hugely as well. So there was a number of people there who were able to to assist when I was trying to just focus purely on acting. But a lot, a lot of it was before we would roll. I would say what I wanted and try and direct the crew and the cast. But it was a very, very difficult task. Yeah, I, 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 I can just imagine how hard that was. Like I remember, I listened to an interview actually with Al Pacino, and he mm. had said like he directed. He didn't even like he wasn't doing as many roles as you in this, but he had directed and he'd starred in. I'm not sure if it, it must have been like Chinese Coffee or the Oscar mm. Wilde movie. I can't remember the name of it, but um, he had said that he found that really hard because there were moments he said when he felt the camera should be on him and it wasn't, and he felt embarrassed yeah. about saying it's. It's my thing. Put the camera on yeah. me. You should be catching my reaction. Did you yeah. have any of those moments? Of yeah, like- that, yeah, that definitely happened, but more in the edit. Right. Uh, and that and yeah, that definitely was, I can completely identify with that, especially in the edit, because what would happen was Louis also edited as well as shot it. So Louis would compile a scene and send it to me or we'd be in the room together. And I'd be like, no, I'm, oh God, this is actually supposed to be my scene. You know, and it, it, it it's difficult mm-hmm. because it, it does initially feel like you're just asking to be shown more, yeah, you know? know? Yeah, yeah. And and that's obviously not the case. You're trying to make the best film possible and tell the best story possible. Yeah. But, you know, um, but yeah, I, I definitely found that in the edit more so than because, I, look, listen, we did shoot a lot of coverage. Um, mm-hmm. it just and that was obviously a choice purely in case I did miss something, we'd have everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And that directing was, the other actors and all that was all okay for you, you didn't have any. No, I didn't have any problem with that. That, that yeah. wasn't a problem. And I, and I really, what I did really relish was when I could step out of a scene, like even if it wasn't, like if it was 
if it was coverage on, like, for example, there's a big scene that there's a big sequence in it where we're all at a house party. Mm-hmm. And although I'm in the room, no one is conversing with me per se. And they're all talking to each other over the other side of the room. Like I, I relish being able to step off set yeah. And, yeah. and be outside the room on the monitor directing from outside the room and, and watching and like that stuff was well, I just love that and also mm-hmm. when we were shooting some pickups that didn't involve Gar in any way mm-hmm. um, like we did a whole day with John Kenny doing stuff with just John and yeah. that was just incredible that was just incredible getting to be behind the camera and John in front of it it was just a dream come true yeah and, and a, a master's class as well really yeah. like yeah yeah, it's great to have people like that on board. And again, I will get to that as well. Okay. Um, okay. So but a big question also to do with production. So you, you hit on it slightly. You were saying about funding. So when I had a gander, it didn't seem like as though you went down the usual funding routes. Doesn't look like as though you looked for Film Ireland or or not Film Ireland, Screen Ireland, sorry. And I did. Uh, or did you did, did you? Yeah, it was rejected. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you went for development or for production? I originally went for screenplay development. I did have a, I, I would say, a very big production company behind me because that was one of the things like that happened. They had seen the web series and, right. and were kind of all in on Gar and the idea and all that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, again, this is another misconception. You know, I thought, okay, now this big hitter production company has come in and, and has my idea and we're applying to Screen Ireland for the money and I will get it because they are huge and they make loads and loads of things. And then it didn't happen. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. I was long listed, I think, for funding. It's a good few years ago now, it's, it is yeah, around 2017. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, ultimately, the funding wasn't. But look, listen, they can only finance so many projects. I get that as well, you know. True, yeah. So then, where did the money come from? from <laughs> um, yeah, so I, <laughs> I basically petitioned a few businessmen that I knew, right? Um, um. I was lucky enough to have some, I'm not going to name their name. No, you not, don't. I don't think it's good taste. But I, I, I had done some, um, you know, I'd been a stand-up before as well. And I'd done a charity show in Waterford at the Theatre Royal um, to raise money for a, a really good cause. And there was some guys in, in attendance that night who saw my stand-up. And then yeah, I think yeah. subsequently, subsequently became fans of my work and started following me and different things I was doing. And then they happened to come and see the one-man show version of the horror that I was doing right before COVID. Mm-hmm. And there was some remarks past, you know, if there's ever anything we can do or I can do or, you know, we would love to be able to support. So during COVID, I don't know if you remember, Lynn, because you would have been in on the first draft of the script when it was originally happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it was originally taking place between Ireland and New York. But mm-hmm. d- during COVID... I, I felt yeah. anyway, I don't know about anyone else. I don't I don't know if I was ever going to see America ever again. Yeah. So let alone shoot a movie there with a full crew. So I basically, after the third lockdown, I think it was, I just rewrote the whole script to take place in Ireland rather than New York. And I just, I, like I'm from Waterford very proudly, as everyone knows. And mm-hmm. I just said, you know, we, we could shoot a movie in Waterford. Why not? And I think, you know, the, the guys, the businessmen who came on board are very big ambassadors for Waterford and, and growing Waterford as a place to film and a, and a place to do business. So it, it really made sense all around. To do OK, that. perfect. So you went down the private route, which is it, good for people to know, like, you know, that there's other options and that uh, you can get stuff made even without like big funders. Behind yeah, you. there was. Now look, there was a bit of business stuff that needed to happen. Look, I come from it. I sold cars to go to film school. So like I'm able to hustle 
you know, I hustled my way into film school and I'm after hustling my way into making this movie as well. Yeah. But I, I just don't, I have some friends who are who are business minded and involved in startups and stuff like that. So they were able to break down financials for investors for me. So I was lucky in, in that respect. In as that well. regard. Yeah. And are you comfortable with like saying like ballpark number of like how much the project overall cost you? Because it looks like as though you got a real, relatively, relatively really good production quality for an independent yeah. film so see yeah look that's kind of complicated as well because the, the money spent doesn't reflect the work done um my producer in the states ryan duffy who's one of my best friends um we're friends oh god a decade or more uh from new york when i lived there ryan uh was working for panavision at the time in in the states um, and they were Lightiron is the name of the company that Ryan has subsequently moved companies, but still Lightiron we, were who we worked with. And I mean, Lightiron did Succession and they did, um, oh God, I'm, I'm blanking here now in the middle of the interview, but a, a lot of big HBO stuff, a lot of big uh, movies and TV series. So we had them behind us in, a, in doing color grading and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it was it was always going to look yeah. a certain way from from the quality you're pulling of that. in favors really is of course you like yeah you're pulling yeah in like that was never going to happen on the budget that we had um but ryan made it happen you know mm-hmm. and how many days were you filming in waterford then in total you were down there for yeah we did monday to saturday for three weeks so what's that six trees 18 days mm-hmm. and i would say we probably did another six days of pickups maybe five days but right. so probably a month overall but that was the, the initial shoot was a three-week shoot yeah and your days were they kind of like long days or were you kind of watching your time with that or how did that work no we watched our time um we did watch our time like because i i also know what it's like to just be an actor coming on and and you know and you don't want to be you don't want to be putting in 12 hour days, especially no, look, just... listen, every, everyone was obviously paid, but yeah, you know, it's, you still want, you know, because obviously it's different, you know, everything was done within equity rules because I'm a member of equity very proudly. I believe in unions and all that kind of stuff. And I, my agent Lorraine reps, uh, Jerry, who's the chairman of equity as well. So we made sure to run all the contracts and everything by them before we ever okay. went to camera, which I do think is really important, to be honest with you. It is, because like, p- people giving their time as well. You know, they do need to get paid for what, what they're doing. Well, Go on. Get, sorry, well, getting paid is, is a no, is, is like that's without, without question. But yeah. it's just it's just to kind of like make sure everyone like and I think everyone should consult the equity when they're doing anything from behind or in front of the camera, you know, because that's what the union is there for. Exactly. You know? And yeah, they do. They definitely give you a handout as well. And they, they point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So speaking of equity members, you had actually some really famous faces pop up. Um, who knew that Marty Marcy could act? <laughs> I know. I, it's crazy. How, it's how crazy. did you manage to get him on board? So Marty was the only one that I didn't have really a direct contact to or knew previously. Um, right. I think I'd met him before through some sort of GAA thing. I'm, I'm not sure, even though I'm not involved in the GAA. I know a lot of them. Um, well, I used to know a lot of the inter-county Waterford players. But um, basically what had happened was myself and John Kenny, John wanted to rehearse all our scenes like a play. So we would get together once twice a week in the lead up and run our lines and 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 do I, w- I would give the blocking and John would suggest what he thought should happen and give some notes and stuff like that and we worked together really really closely on all our scenes together 
And then we we were just sitting down in actually in my mom and dad's house in Waterford, and he said, "I'm just re- you know I've been reading the script. I really really like it." He said, "But what's going on with Marty? Is that a placeholder? Because Marty Morrissey was written into the script. Is that a placeholder? Or are you getting someone to play Marty?" And I went, "No, I want Marty to, to do it." <laughs> And he said, right, well, have you have you got him? And I said, no, look, again, my agent is supposed to reach out to his agent or manager or whatever, but we still haven't done it. He said, well, Tony, we're filming in two weeks. like." Yeah. And I said, yeah, I know. And he goes, ah, feck this, I'm ringing Marty. And John literally just took out his phone and rang Marty right in front of me. Oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was like, I'm... Yeah, well, he stepped out, but I, I could hear I could hear him because you know he was right outside the window, and he was like, "I'm down in Waterford. I'm doing this film with this young fella. He's a great young fella. It's hilarious, and you'd be some fool to miss out." So, out of nowhere, then I get this email from Marty Morrissey. Probably later that night, actually, John must have sent him my email address, and he was like, uh, "John sent me the script. I'm in," and that was it. <gasps> That's so cool. That's and he's yeah. he like he's exactly how I would imagine him to be as well. So that's brilliant, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And we also had like you'd Elva Trill as well. I've mm-hmm. never met her. Yeah. She did a fantastic yeah. job. Where is Elva from? Elva is originally from Sligo. Right. Um right. and is based uh, well her yeah, she I think she's kind of considers herself almost half Wexford now. Her mum lives down there. Okay. Uh, she's based okay. out of London. Uh, Elva is well, she but, did a brilliant um, job because like the accent was fantastic you know and she was nice and natural it didn't yeah. take me out of the movie at all I like fully fully believed her her performance was gorgeous obviously John Kenny was fab and I have to give an honourable mention to Garda Colum Hickey he was just yeah. hilarious that was Carl Carl's Spain, Spain. Yeah. yeah yeah now obviously there's a whole load of others but it's well worth going and seeing the cast as well just if anybody's listening because there were some lovely performances in there. It's a true ensemble yeah. piece. It really, really is. Yeah, there are some lovely performances. And you didn't have a, a cast and director on this. So you kind of knew everybody else pretty much, yeah. was it? Yeah. yeah, I kind of, I had, I basically knew who was going to play everyone nearly from, you know, from the get-go. Right. Um, I had a, a very there was a, there was a couple of roles who who were kind of up in the air. And in fairness, Lorraine Brennan, my my agent at LVM, mm-hmm. she was wonderful in the casting process because I would call her or email her and be like, "I'm really stuck for this role. Is there someone you suggest?" And in fairness to her, like you know, agents do get a bad rap sometimes. She ne- she never went. Well, I have X, Y, and Z on my book. She would she would always. Pick she would always make some suggestions or or say I don't know you know right. um, but a lot of the I'd worked with I'd worked with a lot of the people before um or are people I knew who I had wanted to work with before yeah okay so you knew what their strengths were and there wasn't like an audition process or anything like that you were like you've already seen them in things or worked with them yeah and that that was kind of important to me because of the nature of the story it being a, a mockumentary Mm-hmm. Uh, which it's been since since it with since its inception ten and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. I felt like everything really needed to be natural, and I think one of the best ways of doing that, without much like need for acting exercises and all that stuff, is to know each other. So if you're going onto a set and the actors already know each other, the chemistry is almost well. You hope is always already there. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And then, as for like the the overall shoot, and you were saying how stressful it was for you to do everything. So, did anything <laughs> funny or anything disastrous happen during yeah. the shoot? Yeah, really. Oh, it absolutely did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like um, so it was going fairly swimmingly. Um, 
you know, for a good while. We did, look, there was some stuff that, <laughs> that I probably wouldn't be talking about on a podcast. There was one or two things with people's agents and stuff like that. Um, right. that, that is a private conversation, maybe. Um, but yeah, there was a bit of that in one instance, but that we got over that. Um, but funnier stuff, like, I, it's it's fairly well reported now, but for anyone who didn't know, I got concussed on the set the day Marty Morrissey was there. Oh my God. Um, How did that happen? Well, obviously a man wearing so many hats, it's not great uh, for him to get concussed, but that's what happened. And you would imagine probably, Lynn, you know, you're making a film about hurling and you can see me play hurling in the film and stuff like that, that I probably yeah. got hit with a hurley or something. Now, I, I banged my head off a window. Oh um <laughs> <laughs> out of out yeah. of frustration or by accident? No, 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 no. We, we, our sound guy, uh, it was his birthday and we got him a birthday cake and I kind of felt like, oh, I've brought cakes on the set and made it this party-ish atmosphere and now everyone is kind of a bit giddy. I need to calm everyone down because yeah. we were we were running a bit behind and Marty was in that day. Marty was running late. So I was kind of panicking and I ran, we, were, we were in a, a hurling club dressing room mm-hmm. and I ran up the stairs to where the makeup uh, was being done and I ran in and it was it was the I actually remember it was the, it was the 29th of April it was some scorcher of a day yeah and the skylights were open on the roof of this um hurling club and I just ran in to try and get everyone ready but I ran right into the window which was head height for me mm-hmm. and right in the middle of the top of my head it just hit me and knocked me out oh my god yeah <laughs> So that wasn't ideal, and no. that, luckily it was luckily it was the second last day. But to get through basically a full shoot day of the second last day, and get through the full shoot day the second or the very last day was very tough. I it was very imagine. tough. Yeah. Cost. yeah. So that would would that have been your toughest day? Do you think out of everything that was that was the well, toughest day of filmmaking? No, no, not necessarily because it was almost like I was on something almost because I was so out of it. Right. So I was I was flighty. The lads might have been stressed, the crew, but uh-huh. I was flighty. I was going around thinking, I, I would thought Carl Spain was supposed to be there on the last day. I was like, where's Carl Spain? And they were like, Carl's not until 4 p.m. It's 11. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and all, all that kind of stuff was going on. But there was, like, I'm thinking now, and I don't, like, there was nothing as far as I know. I remember we, we were shoot, we shot out in Tremor, out in the amusement park in Tremor. Yeah. Um, which was really fun. And I remember... Um, we didn't have permission, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of a little bit stressed. There was a there was we had a lot of extras that day because we had guys turn up to pretend to be part of this team that got our coaches. Like there was four core main characters, and then we would have extras be the other guys. So we had the whole hurling team, quote unquote, and crew and myself um doing a big kind of a celebratory scene out from more amusement park on the amusements and the hurdy gurdies. Right. Yeah. And I remember saying to Shane, who was the first AD, I remember saying to him, don't ask anyone for permission. I will ask for forgiveness later. Everyone in Waterford knows we're shooting this movie. So don't worry about it. And then Louis, the DOP, he said like, well, you know, I have this big camera. And I went, well, hide it as best you can. And I turned around and Shane had ran over to the park security and been like, can we please shoot here? And I was (laughs) like, I literally just told you not to do that. Yeah. What what was amazing was the park manager came over and he was like, "Hi Tony, how are you? I've been following all the stuff on uh-huh. social media. Um, do you want to film here today?" And I was like, uh, "Yes." And he was like, "Well, look, I'll bring you on all the rides you want to come on. You don't have to pay for any of them. And you can have as much as you want." And it was just unbelievable. So that like was that a was stroke of luck, wasn't it? That really was. That, 
the whole shoot, that's what I'm telling you that story, the whole shoot felt like that because we were shooting here in Waterford. It was mm-hmm. a real community effort. Everyone wanted the film to be made here. And mm-hmm. we were just delighted that it was happening and just wanted to help. So we had that at every turn. So it was kind of having that community spirit. Helped huge. Yeah. yeah. And blocked off all the real disastrous things from happening, you know? Well, fair play. That was, So it was clever to go down to Waterford. So um, what is next for you then? Because you're nearly like you're you're in the middle of this now. Promotion is happening. Yeah. It's out pretty much next week. Uh, yeah. what, what projects have you got in the pipeline after this? Yeah, I have I have a few things that I want to do next. If but again, it has to be. Is it possible to do it? You know, yeah. Like yeah. that's the thing about being an Irish filmmaker. I think and and being still based in Ireland is it's all very regimented and slow. And it like listen, we're a small country of like four million people. It has to be that way. Mm-hmm. And it's it's different, I suppose, than being in the states. And you might have a movie, and then you're able to kind of decide because there's so many options. Um, but I do, I, in fairness, I do have a couple of irons in the fire of, of what's coming next. Uh, but I, I've said this already. That I don't think Gar's story is over yet. You know, I think there's more, North more Trump. in Gar. I do. Maybe yeah, the really hurler part that. too. Maybe. Yeah, I do <laughs> think that. But um, I have a, I have another feature that I'm I'm hopefully going to be doing next after this. So please, God, I'll, I'll that that will be your next one. Well, Tony, yeah. thanks so much for chatting to us. I honestly, really, honestly, well done. I absolutely am delighted for you. Um, there's not many people that actually have an idea and then go out there and make it happen. And it's great to hear that you're one of them and you've managed to do it. So where can people check out The Hurler? So it's in Irish cinemas from October the 6th. Great stuff. Okay, well, I wish you all the success. Thanks a million for coming and chatting to us. And thank you to all our listeners at Film Ireland Podcast. And we'll check you out next time. See you soon. Bye.